everyone. Welcome to another episode of Space A. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Dr. Ed Plutus, who has over 25 years of experience in Earth and planetary remote sensing. He is a professor at the University of Winnipeg, and his research focuses on developing new applications of remote sensing to explore the surface of the Earth and planets in the solar system, both for geology and also the search for extraterrestrial life. He's also a member of science teams associated with a number of planetary space missions, including the NASA Mars Science Laboratory rover, or the Curiosity rover, as it's known. So welcome to the episode, Ed. How are you doing? I am very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. So it's a pleasure to have you here today. My first question for you is, Tell us a little bit about your background, maybe something that I didn't mention in the intro, and what got you excited about space in the first place? Okay, so my background, uh, let's see, I'm from the Toronto area, uh, so Canadian. Uh, I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Toronto, and that was in engineering. And uh, during that time, that's kind of what got me excited about space. Um, in my third year at U of T, I took a, an elective course in planetary geology, um, and it was taught by a, a professor named Dr. Dave Strangway. He's also a Canadian, and he was involved in the Apollo missions, uh, the Apollo lunar missions, you know, 50 years ago now. And he presented, you know, he lectured on planetary science, and I thought, man, that's what I want to do. So I finished up my uh, undergrad degree in engineering, then worked for a couple of years and then went back to do my master's and PhD in planetary science and uh, haven't looked back. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's quite an exciting moment that you had where you could actually pinpoint what you're interested in and what you want to pursue for the rest of your life. So that's awesome. I would like to ask you a little bit more about what you specialize in. So what future opportunities about establishing a human presence on the moon and Mars? What excites you about that? And what exactly are you working on right now that's going to support this effort? Okay, so I am involved in, as you mentioned in the intro, a couple of Mars missions, the Curiosity rover, the Perseverance rover that just landed. I'm also involved in a couple of the Mars Orbiter missions, as well as the uh, European Space Agency rover, the Rosalind Franklin rover, that'll go to Mars in 2022. So I'm pretty involved in Mars exploration. Here within Canada, the Canadian Space Agency has put um, a lot of emphasis on exploring the moon. And so I'm also moving into that area of planetary exploration. I wasn't that much involved in, in lunar exploration, but I'm becoming more and more involved. You know, so what what excites me about that is, um, you know, the big question for exploring Mars is the search for life on Mars, whether, you know, it currently exists or it existed sometime in the past. To me, that's a that's a hugely, you know, that's a big science question that it would be awesome to to address. And if we found signs of life on Mars, that'd be pretty, pretty spectacular. But really, I think what what excites me about it is just the thrill of of discovery, you know, like Mars, you know, we've seen it from orbit, we've had some landed missions, but there's so many places on Mars left to explore that I, I just get excited about, you know, just send missions to Mars and let's see what we find. In terms of uh, the moon, some of the work that, that I'm doing with my group here at University of Winnipeg involves, um, uh, looking at, at future missions to the moon where we can start to look for some of the resources that we might need to support uh, human 
you know, extended human presence on the moon. So I'm involved in, in hopefully upcoming missions that will look for things like um, ice in some of the, the shadowed regions near the lunar poles, as well as uh, looking for um, uh, minerals called uh, iron titanium oxides, which are a resource that we can use to produce metal. Um, we can also use them to extract oxygen, which we can use for, of course, for breathing and for rocket fuel. Um, and they, this mineral, uh, this, these, these minerals also contain hydrogen from the solar wind. So they're a potentially uh, usable source of, of resources that we need to, to spend time on the moon rather than hauling everything up from Earth. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a very, very exciting opportunity and effort to be working on. So are there ways that the general public can get more involved or support you? Yeah, boy, that's that's always tricky. Uh, you know, <laughs> There, you know, there, there've been, uh, uh, there've been um, opportunities for the public to get involved in other uh, other aspects of planetary exploration that I'm not directly involved in. So there have been, you know, some of these citizen scientist things, uh, opportunities to do things like uh, map, identify and map craters on the moon and on Mars. Um, so there are ways the public can get involved that way because, you know, the, you can sort of understand that trying to, trying to identify every crater that's on the moon is a huge amount of work and there's just not enough uh, bodies to go around. So th some of these citizen science, these participatory uh, efforts are, are pretty good. Um, so that's one way that you can get involved. As a sort of another example, we are going to be launching a Earth orbiting satellite hopefully next year uh, again, through the Canadian Space Agency, they have something called the University CubeSat program. And we have uh, involved some of the, the local schools here in areas like uh, coming up with a name for the spacecraft, because we'd started calling it Manitoba Sat 1. And that's kind of a boring name. So we had a competition to name it. And the new name for the satellite is IRIS. And that came from, uh, you know, involving some schools in the area in a naming contest. We also, um, again, involve schools in designing a, a, a logo or a mission patch for the satellite. And we also had some students involved in designing, um, it's called a gnomon. It's like the sundial on the Curiosity and Perseverance rovers. Um, and so we're putting one of these on our satellite and it will help us to determine the angle of the sun relative to the satellite for some of the experiments we're going to do in, you know, in, in another way that, that the, you know, public, uh, general public could get involved is we do a lot of work at, um, field sites across Canada where, you know, we're looking for places that have some, some, um, characteristics that are similar to say the moon or Mars. And so we do practice, uh, rover missions at some of these locations. So there might be opportunities there depending on where we go, uh, in the future for uh, the public to get involved. And again, on one of these previous uh, rover missions that we did at a field site here in Manitoba, we involved a number of uh, high school students that were involved both with the, uh, the science team that was directing the rover, as well as with the team in the field that was collecting samples and, and uh, doing some of the field operations. So there are ways, there are a lot of ways, I think, for the public to get involved in uh, in planetary exploration. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's super exciting to hear about students being help, uh, helping out on actual missions as well. I think that's really, really cool. 
that um, you guys were able to uh, enable that. So that's fantastic. So my last question for you is kind of a loaded one, but I think it's interesting to ask, what is the greatest challenge or barrier that you see in Canadian space policy or globally? And how can we overcome this? Okay, yeah, that is good. That could be a loaded <laughs> question, um, but it's not that bad. So I've been working with the, uh, you know, the Canadian Space Agency is really the uh, the lead agency for Canada space policy. But, you know, there are other, other uh, government departments that are involved in space activities. Uh, so, for instance, uh, Department of National Defense, um, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, government players, let's call them, that, that have some interest in, um, in space, some aspect of space. And, and I guess the greatest challenge that, that we've had in the past was a lack of, I guess, uh, a policy, I guess, or a direction, you know. So, you know, something like, you know, where does, where does Canada, where does the Canadian Space Agency want to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And I think, you know, just in the past couple of years, I think we're really starting to sort that out. You know, recently, I guess in the past year, year and a half, you know, the government of Canada and the CSA committed to uh, lunar exploration, putting some serious money behind that and, and, and stating that, you know, this is an area that Canada will be involved in. So I think, um, I think the challenges and barriers are starting to fall. Uh, you know, even if you don't necessarily agree that, that we should focus on the moon or that maybe we should focus on Mars, I guess uh, the, the, the bright side of all this is that we, we have, we seem to have a, a long-term direction and policy relating to how we're going to participate in space exploration. So I think that's a good thing. And it's definitely helped, uh, helped uh, researchers, I guess, you know, plan what we're going to do over the next little while. So it's been, it's been definitely, uh, policy and direction have definitely improved. Super good to hear about that. Um, and lots of opportunities that are going to come up ahead for Canadian space. I think it's exciting to think about it from a policy perspective as well. So thanks for your insight. Um, and that's everything that I had for you today, Ed. It was really exciting to chat with you. It was a super quick chat, but I'm really glad that we got to connect and hear a little bit more. Do you have any final thoughts before we conclude the podcast? I guess the the other part that I wanted to mention is that, you know, uh, planetary exploration or space exploration is not something that's restricted to, say, geology or engineering. Um, you know, especially if we think about, you know, searching for signs of life on Mars, let's say, you know, we need expertise or people that from, from a whole bunch of different areas. So obviously engineering, obviously geology, but also things like biology and chemistry and physics and astronomy. So I think, I think planetary exploration is a great, uh, it's a great unifier i guess it brings so many disciplines together so for people that are interested in getting into into planetary exploration there are a whole bunch of different routes into it so just wanted to kind of put that out there and and you know for people that are thinking about careers in planetary science there's a lot of different ways into it yeah i think that's a really good point to make and i think all of the guests that we've interviewed so far on our podcast have kind of echoed the same sentiment saying that you know it's it's you no longer the very traditional path about getting into space because space needs everyone and like you're saying all sorts of skill sets um, are valued and the more diverse the teams are the the better the outcome is usually so and any other advice you'd like to give uh, young people entering into the workforce like are there any specific skills they should focus on or something which 
you were glad that you focused on when you were young to um, kind of help that helped you traverse your path now? You know, I guess computer science is always a good thing to have. Not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily specialize in it, but, but you know, uh, space exploration is pretty um, computer and programming intensive. So having those skills uh, can be useful for sure. But it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be something that you exclusively focus on. It's kind of like I think of it as a tool belt, right? And, and having uh, programming skills or computing skills is a nice tool to have in your tool belt when you want to get into uh, planetary exploration. Yeah, that's an excellent tip. Uh, okay, that's everything that I had for you, Ed. Thanks so much for being on our episode today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And thank you so much for all the wonderful insights that you offered to our listeners. Uh, any final thoughts before we conclude? Uh, no, just wanted to thank you for this interview and an opportunity to speak to people. And uh, hopefully I will meet uh, a lot of you in person in the future. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thanks so much. And I'll definitely um, provide your contact information if anyone wants to get in touch or has any questions. We'll let them know and, and they can direct them your way. Absolutely. I'd be happy to happy to talk to folks and answer questions. Definitely. Stay tuned for uh, more exciting episodes from the Canadian Space Society. Bye. <laughs>